1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's been a few weeks, but uh, I I don't know that there's really been a whole lot of time in those few weeks where we have either A, had time, or B, been in physical condition to uh, record a podcast. So uh, here we are. Uh, How are you doing? You ready to go?
0: I am doing better than I was. I Basically, I've had bronchitis for two weeks, and it's been really really kicking my ass so didn't record uh basically the week after Super Bowl I know the week leading up to Super Bowl we hit record Mm -hmm. um week after Super Bowl I was too sick this past week I was still kind of recovering and then we had plans to record late the week last week I got busy at work so basically what I'm saying is this is all my fault but we're back
1: Well, I mean, we're both busy men. There's been a lot going on that I'm sure you all will hear about in uh, future episodes. Um, but mm-hmm. there has been a lot going on. There's, you know, nothing really to spoil here. Nothing that really impacts anybody else. But just busy time in life for the both of us. We'll say that.
0: Yes. Yeah. We're
1: just busy. That right. happens. Busy people. Um, and it turns out this is not our full time job. So sometimes other things can take precedent. But Mike, we are back. We are here to uh, to. Continue talking ACC football, and if if you're listening to this, and at this point you're thinking, what on earth are we going to talk about? Because it's you know it's almost March. There's been basically nothing that's happened since we last talked, right? Um, Mike, the thing we got to talk about is probably what's uh, you know people are seeing in the uh, the title of the episode. You and I have a couple of we'll call them hot takes, some off season hot takes about a couple of ACC programs that we need to get to tonight.
0: Yes, at least lukewarm takes in a couple of cases.
1: Yeah, definitely lukewarm takes um, at, at minimum. Um, we... Maybe cold
0: takes even. <laughs> they,
1: they might end up being cold takes. For, One or two of them. them. Quite possible. Yeah. Quite possible. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Mike, this, this kind of stemmed from uh, something that I, I would say you did a little bit of freelancing on. I believe it was in our last episode where you uh, outed me for having a bit of a hot take as it related to Virginia. Um, and so we promised the people that if they reminded us that we would start the next episode with that take. And so mm-hmm. here we are. You reminded us. We have not forgotten, and I'm not shying away from it. Well, um, i got a question for you, Joey. Yes, Mike.
0: Uh, what does that take?
1: What does that take? Um, so I, I, I felt like I needed to try to be as specific as possible about this. Like, like it, it's not a good take if I say, you know, someone is bad yeah Uh, don't skip
0: don't skip Bayless it just yeah super
1: vague yeah no no we're we're, going to be specific here Mike Um, Good. here's my take about uh Tony Elliott at Virginia I believe he's going to be fired within four years hell yeah uh I believe that it is it is not going to work out for Tony Elliott at Virginia
0: and he hasn't coached a game yet and we've come to that conclusion
1: hasn't coached a game has really hardly been responsible for a recruiting class at this point um there is there is no empirical evidence that I have to point to that supports this take. We'll start there. correct, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we were very wrong about the last guy.
0: I yeah, clear, absolutely. abundantly clear. We were both very very wrong about Bronco Mendonal.
1: very wrong. Yes, um, very much so. I and, and and here's the other thing too is I have nothing against Tony Elliott. I, I no, I there is no part of me that wants to see him fail here. Um, I I would love for him to succeed. He seems like a great dude. He's an industrial engineer just like me, Mike.
0: Yeah, the whole thing you just said about not wanting to see him fail, that makes one of us (laughs) as a Virginia Tech alum. Nothing against Tony Elliott, the man, though.
1: No, no, yeah, no, that's, of course. that clear. Right. I understand where you're coming from. Um, Yeah. I just
0: want to make sure our audience understands where I'm coming from, not total scumbag.
1: Of course, of course. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's my thing, Mike, is I believe that, tony elliott's going to fail here now let me show my work here here's what i'm thinking
0: yes please show your work
1: um let's start with this virginia historically objectively is a hard job it is like I if agree. you go go back and look over the last what like 75 years or so of that program there have been a lot more coaches that have failed there than have succeeded in one Yeah. Um, there, there have been kind of a few select teams that seem to have been able, or a few select coaches that seem to have been able to succeed there. Um, but there's a pretty clear dichotomy of guys that either definitively succeeded there or definitively did not. Um, and prior to Bronco Mendenhall being there, and I mean, did pretty well there in his you know, last four years or so, I mean, Mike London had a really rough go of it. Al Groh was okay for a few years and then really struggled after that. George Welsh was one of the guys that was really good for an extended period. And then prior mm-hmm. to him, I, I mean, it was like decades in, in in the dumps. I mean, it's clearly it is a job that, for whatever reason, is, is a difficult one. And it is not there's not an obvious path to success there. And, and this is something, too, Mike, that we'll just go ahead and plug this right now – I want our next episode to be the Virginia. Tell us about your team episode. Uh, Okay. Yep. I am unloading this take in, in anticipation of that episode, but I want to use that episode to try to understand better. Why is this such a hard job? So hopefully more on that to come, but yes, a hard job and B. Now you've got Tony Elliott coming in to do it as a first time head coach.
0: Yeah. And Not the most impressive staff I've ever seen assembled either.
1: Yeah, and that's the the other piece, man, is like Tony Elliott coming in as a first-time head coach. He's a relatively young guy, uh, pretty well regarded, I think, as as a coach. But look at his assistants and and the staff that he brings in. This isn't going to really win a lot of fans, but the staff in a lot of ways reminds me of the staff that Jeff Collins hired when he first started at Georgia Tech. Right. There is there's a whole lot of guys who have not really coached at the power five level within you know a lot of reason, uh, a lot of younger guys you know folks that are, are lesser experienced folks, which I think to me is part of the real contrast with Bronco Mendenhall and his staff was he brought a lot of guys from BYU that have been doing this and succeeding for a number of years, right? And so it's kind of the inexperienced piece. You look at two coordinators that have a combined one year of co coordinator experience at the Power Five level, it's similar to Georgia Tech. He brought in Dave Patnode and Andrew Thacker, who had combined for no experience at the Power Five level as coordinators and calling plays and all right. that. It's just this is tough. You know, they have guys I think that maybe will recruit fairly well, but that's just part of the battle. And, and there's there's more to it that put that all on top of a difficult job. I do not think this is a recipe for success the way that it is currently constituted. That is my concern with, with this staff and, and this head coach in particular. Again, it's nothing personal, just I don't think this recipe right now is is a great one. And I'll add, too, and then I'll let you talk, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, Problem. I'll add as well, it's not like from a roster situation that they are really in, in position to be shot out of a cannon to start with here. Um, there has been a number of guys that have exited this program in the last maybe three months or so. Uh, They had a number of seniors and, you know, old folks that were graduating anyways that, I mean, were moving on that have been a a big, you know, big contributors to this program over the last couple of years. I just don't know that this is a formula for success as I'm currently seeing it.
0: And I think that's a fine take. I I will say that, you know, you mentioned the UVA Georgia Tech connection, you know, that, that you're seeing here. How about UVA and Virginia Tech? You know, just so UVA fans don't think I'm just like going to sit here and you know talk trash all over UVA because I am a Tech alum. Mm-hmm. Objectively speaking, I just watched this Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. I just watched a coaching staff put together by Justin Fuente for a six-year period with guys who did not have Power Five experience, and it did not go very well. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well on the recruiting trail. It didn't go well on field. There were a lot of You know, decisions and execution issues that Virginia Tech had over the six years that Justin Fuente was the head coach. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that UVA won't recruit well, because I do think the staff that they have is a much better recruiting staff than the one Justin Fuente put together. Mm -hmm. Hell, it might be a better recruiting staff than the one Jeff Collins put together. I thought Jeff Collins had a pretty decent recruiting staff when he first started at Georgia tech. I I didn't think that was going to be the issue. I thought they would recruit fine Mm -hmm. and they have for the most part, Mm -hmm. they've recruited. Okay. Um, So I think UVA could, could be on par with Georgia tech or maybe a little bit better recruiting um, and be in a much better spot than Virginia tech was when Justin Fuente got there from a recruiting standpoint. It's not that it's the on-field experience part. That's, that's what I have an issue with too. You know, there's not a hire that they've made where I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good hire. You know, you talked about the COOC experience and, and, you know, having guys who haven't coached at the P5 level as, you, as your main coordinators. Mm-hmm. That's a concern that I have for Virginia Tech staff, too, where Chris Marv's a young defensive coordinator who has coached linebackers in Florida State. But other than that, he's never been a coordinator before. Mm-hmm. But they have a defensively-minded head coach at Pry. Maybe they figure it out. Maybe that's how they close the gap. But that's, that's a concern I have for Virginia Tech, too. So, you know, there's some similarities there. Mm-hmm. But the, the, where they kind of break with, with this new staff with Brent Pry and what Elliott's done at Virginia is Brent Pry went out and got an offensive line coach, Joe Rudolph, who was coach offensive lineman at Wisconsin and had sent multiple guys to the pros mm-hmm. on the offensive line. Show me that guy on the Virginia staff.
1: Yeah. The, uh, I, like, I don't see a silver bullet can't miss guy.
0: The can't miss guy. The one where it's like, oh my God, they did not have that on the last staff.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And
0: that doesn't mean Pry going to succeed. I have no idea what he's going to do. And also, it doesn't mean Elliot's not going to succeed, what we're saying, which, which we prefaced it with that off the top. But on paper, I've been really unimpressed with the hires by Tony Elliot. hmm. Really unimpressed. Um, I thought, that Elliott would be able to bring more assistance from Clemson. Now UVA fans are going to say, okay, well, like that's, that's hard. That's Dabo. Like he's not gonna be able to pull guys. Brett Venables is pulling assistance from Dabo's staff. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Clemson in a few minutes, but Venables is doing it. Why didn't they follow Tony Elliott? Why didn't he pull more guys from that Clemson staff?
1: I mean, if, if you want a real answer to that question, if you want to rank the budgetary capabilities of Clemson versus Oklahoma versus uh, Virginia, it's a right, little different, yeah. you know, but.
0: <laughs> right, of course, of course. But you can't get a few lower level assistants from from Clemson that's, yeah. that's coming through your ranks or Dabo to follow you.
1: A couple of grad assistants or quality, you know, QA quality guys. Quality control guys. Yeah, yeah, something.
0: Mm-hmm. But, and maybe, maybe it's a budgetary restriction thing, right? I mean, there was a lot of talk about that when, and maybe we should be taking it a little bit easier on Tony Elliott because of that, right? Because the the one thing that was being reported or at least rumored when Tony Elliott was going back and forth with UVA during contract negotiations was, "What's my salary pool going to look like?
2: Mm-hmm. What's
0: the infrastructure of the program going to look like? Right? That's Am I going point. to get a new football practice facility? Right? Am I going to get improvements to the to the locker room? Right? And you know, nutrition and whatever else Elliott was vouching for. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the same day that Tony Elliott signed the contract, Virginia announced infrastructure improvements to the football program, right? Mm -hmm. That finally, that had been lingering for a while when Mendenhall was still there. And it finally got done the day that Elliott signed his contract. That's not a coincidence, right? I was going to say not even close, (laughs) not even close. So read the tea leaves, right? I'm sure that was a stipulation that Elliott had. He says, you know, if I'm leaving Clemson, right, if I'm leaving Dabo Swinney, I'm going out on my own. I need to, you need to give me a shot to succeed here, right? And he felt good enough eventually to make that jump. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder from a staff resources standpoint, if Virginia is a little bit behind the eight ball. Right. Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech was behind the eight ball for a while. They had a big fundraising initiative. Now they're putting together a staff that in numbers compares to SEC schools like Georgia. Virginia Tech now has bigger football staff in terms of quality assistant, quality control assistance and recruiting staff. A bigger staff than Georgia, who just won the national championship. They never had anywhere close to that before. And I know UVA doesn't have anywhere close to that now. I do wonder if staffing, from a financial standpoint, is still a hurdle that UVA needs to kind of get over with Tony Elliott. I do wonder if maybe that's why the assistants that he's hired haven't been as impressive. I think it's a point that we got to bring up here because, yeah, the staff's not that impressive, but also how much of that is on Tony Elliott, right? Mm -hmm. How much of that is a a financial resource constraint thing? I think that's, that's the question. That's what we need to consider here.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a great point is in a way it makes you wonder, okay, so if, if Tony Elliott was clearly pushing back on this job opportunity off of what mm-hmm. he was going to be offered from a, an assistant salary standpoint or whatever, right? and, and he clearly got something that he was asking for, or at least, you know, closer to what he was asking for. Mm-hmm. And it resulted in this staff being hired. What was he being offered initially? Like, who? was well, well, he going to be able to bring in if he hadn't pushed back on it? Like, my goodness. Right. And, and you'll
0: remember, Joey, like he flew to Charlottesville
1: mm-hmm.
0: like with his family. With Car- <laughs> he met with Carla Williams, the athletic director. It looked like a formality. And, and then and then you know what he did? He flew back to Clemson. He bailed. <laughs> he flew back to Clemson. with No signed contract. Everybody on Earth. Pete Thamel right? Then he he was at Yahoo then, he's at ESPN now. Pete Thamel, one of the premier college football reporters in the sport, thought it was a formality Mm -hmm. and was shocked. He was shocked when Elliot got back on the plane and flew to Clemson. Mm -hmm. flew back to Clemson with no deal. And everybody's talking about, all right, what does UVA do now? Right? That was conversation there for a 24-hour period. Mm Lo and behold, the the infrastructure thing, you know, the, the funding gets fixed and or gets passed, approved, whatever, and then Elliott signs a contract, and, and here we are. But it, it does make you wonder. It does make you wonder, from a staffing perspective, where is UVA at? I mean, I think they're certainly, they're certainly you know behind the eighth ball a bit. I mean, I think they need to – I think they certainly need to improve, right, if they want to become the football school that a lot of the fans want them to be a lot of the diehards listening to this podcast who are going to be screaming at their radios or, you know, iPhones or whatever. Androids listening to this podcast, they're going to be screaming at us. Mm -hmm. Those are the diehards at UVA that want this program to take it to the next level. But how committed is the athletic department to taking the program to the next level? I think signing and getting the infrastructure improvements approved is a really good start. It is. I think it's a really, really good start. Um, where does UVA go from here? Now that that's that's a that's a broader question, but I mean there, there are certainly investments in the football program now that we have not seen historically at UVA, and I think that's a big reason why. And and we'll figure it out and be asked about your team series too. But I, I think the 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 part of it that we're still trying to figure out is how long has this been a problem for UVA, and how much catching up do they have to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can, we can answer some of those questions, but yep. I, I think it's worth
1: considering. A couple other things here that I'll mention before we move on. Uh, one thing to, to consider as well, you mentioned Carla Williams. Um, this is something else that, that our friend Kelly Quinlan has talked about with Georgia tech and Jeff <laughs> Collins and where that's gone sour is um, perhaps Jeff Collins, not getting all the right support that he should be getting just like on a call, kind of like a, personal, like professional level from Todd Stansbury, the athletic director, um, talking about things like, you know, the way that he's messaging certain things, you know, it's, it's less program administration necessarily, but there's some of these things as a first time head coach that, you know, you may, none of these things may f- seem, uh, really immediately obvious that the AD can step in and kind of help to coach or help to put the right people around you to make sure that you're getting the right guidance that you need as a head coach, um, Carla Williams, first time athletic director, first time hiring a head coach uh, in football, like she comes from Georgia. So she's seen what a, you know, reasonably high functioning program looks like up close. But does she have the experience and and the know-how to make sure she is supporting Tony Elliott in the way that he will need to be supported? Um, I don't know. Just and, and again, nothing against Carla Williams. Nothing to say she can't, but just something that hasn't really had to do in the past. Um,
0: well, people and people were real quick to criticize Carla Williams, which I don't know, right, wrong, and different. I have no idea mm-hmm. from a negotiation standpoint, but people were real quick to criticize Carla Williams when Tony Elliott was on his way back to Clemson without his deal signed, right, mm-hmm. without the contract signed, and and everything everything done i mean carla williams received a hell of a lot of backlash on social media for not being able to get that done but like you had it at the one yard line how could you have screwed this up mm-hmm. because and a lot of the reason why and it ended up working out fine but a lot of the reason why was because nobody knew what uva's second option was right mm-hmm. there, there were rumors they were uh pursuing anthony poindexter who is an assistant at penn state they're talking about you know him coming back to charlottesville becoming first time head coach and He was going to be a guy, right? He was going to, he was going to be the guy. He said, no, I'm going back to Penn state. And here comes Tony Elliott. You're like, okay, great. They're going to hire Tony Elliott. And then he goes back to Clemson and everybody's like, what the hell is UVA going to do now? Yeah. What is that just saying? Yeah. You got a guy, you got an alum who said, no, thanks. who's now staying in happy Valley. Turned it down as his first head coaching job. He said, this isn't the right opportunity for me. He's an alum who said that that's Mm -hmm. come on. Right. That's, that's a red flag, right? And then you have Elliot at the one guard line. It didn't look like that was going to get done. He goes back to Charlottesville. And now, what the hell is Carla Williams going to do? Mm-hmm. Bronco kind of retires out of thin air. And now nobody has any idea what UDA is going to do. Okay. So now do you go Mike Elko? Do you go, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's all just, it's, it's crazy how it all worked out.
1: She, she got it done. Credit to her for that. But again, you know, where does it go from here? You know, who's to say? Uh, oh yeah. Last thing that I'll mention on Tony Elliott, and, and I was thinking about this as you were talking about Brent Pry and why would I give Brent Pry the benefit of the doubt that I'm maybe not giving Tony Elliott? I think the one thing that in in my mind separates them in particular as candidates is Brent Pry over the last several years has run some really, really good defenses consistently. And we have talked on this show about how Clemson's offense, since Jeff Scott left a couple of years ago, since it became totally under Tony Elliott, is not entirely the same. And this year in particular, coming off this past season, they were bad at times. And, and, yeah. And we agreed, you know, this isn't purely a Tony Elliott issue, but he's part of the problem. Like, Yeah, certainly. And so... If nothing else do I trust Brent Pry to put together a team that's going to play pretty good to really good defense? Yes. Do I trust Tony Elliott to put together a team that's going to play, you know, good to really good offense? Not exactly, not at this point. Well,
0: you don't have the athletes that you had at Clemson.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's you had a sure. massive talent advantage and still struggled on offense for a lot of last right. year. Like how how why like I mean, so, it took Clemson.
0: It took Clemson until around November to really start getting it rolling offensively. Like the offense looked better, I'd say, last like four or five weeks of the year. But it took them a while to get that going. Well, I my, mean,
1: my question is, what does it mean to really get it rolling at, at that point for Clemson? I mean, they finally started right. scoring thirty points a game.
0: Like, yeah, right.
1: You right. Know, that that wasn't a a real high octane offense. I wouldn't say it would not not compared
0: to not compared to what we've been seeing. Yeah. In recent years, that was not what I mean. Running game wasn't very good. Passing game was very,
1: very bad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Just in general, a mess.
1: Yep. So that's my take on uh, Tony Elliott at Virginia. I, I believe it's going to fail. And that's those are some of the reasons why um, I yep. am not hoping for it to fail. I don't want it to fail, but I just I'm looking at this entire picture and, and looking at the way that it all fits in at the university of Virginia and what that football program has historically been and how it, it has been historically for coaches to try to, try to win there. And I don't see a formula for success. And so I've been wrong before I've been wrong about the Virginia job before. Um, so mm-hmm. again, like, you know, what do I know? I could be wrong. And you know, maybe in three or four years he is gone, but it's because he's being hired to something bigger and better. Cause he's done so well there. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, for now, I think it's going to be a failure.
0: I mean, I'm with you.
1: I expected as much, Mike. I expected as yeah, much as
0: you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I always love dunking on UVA, as you know.
1: Mike, I am not the only one here that has uh, off-season hot takes about their uh, about a team in the ACC. Uh, what do you got for me here?
0: I think Miami has got the best coaching staff in the ACC.
1: I don't think that's that that, that hot of a take, really. You know, it, it, honestly, it's not. Um, you, you very well might be right there. I think, if nothing else, like there's some shock value to that. Because, Mike, yes. like two, two episodes ago, we were talking about Miami not having a staff at all. And now, right. a month later, they have the best in the conference? Like, how could that be right? And yet...
0: I mean, Mario Cristobal is definitively the second-best head coach in this conference. Definitively. Like, he steps in right behind Dabo. I don't think there is another head coach in this conference that you could definitively put as a second best head coach right now.
1: I mean, there is quite the motley crew of head coaches in this conference right now. So you, yeah. we, we could argue of, should there be someone that competes for second best in the conference behind Dabo against Cristobal? But I believe as we sit here and talk about it, no, you're probably right. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Number two in the conference.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, Cristobal comes in and I think he's a top 10 head coach in the sport personally. So I think he's stepping in and, and maybe I'm wrong about that take. I don't know. I think he's like within like the f- five to 10 range in terms of college football coaches.
1: Back half of the top 10, yeah.
0: Yeah, back half of the top 10. So he's stepping into a situation at Miami where there's not a shortage of talent, right? Certainly not a shortage of talent. Um, He's in an area and an environment that he knows very well, uh, and he has not recruited there in quite some time, but he knows the area well. He has put together a staff that knows that area, right? So most recently, he hires linebackers coach Charlie Strong, who has a lot of experience in the South Florida area and is known to be a very good recruiter. And he is a very good defensive mind, right? And I know he's had kind of a weird career. But he's also had a very successful career at a lot of his stops. Mm -hmm. Um, He has, by and large, for a majority of his career, been a very good football coach. And I don't think there's any, I don't think there's really any disputing that. I don't care what you think of his Texas tenure. He's been a very good coach for a majority of his career. Mm -hmm. So he is now coaching linebackers. You have Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator, who I think is a very good addition. You have Josh Gaddis, who just won the Broyles Award at Michigan, coming down to coach your offense. And you have Mario Cristobal at the head. And that's before you get into special teams hires, offensive line. They've put together a staff that can recruit the hell out of South Florida. And there is a ton of talent in the Miami area. And Miami has done a very good job of retaining that talent in recent years. But they could do an even better job with this staff. They mm-hmm. can take recruiting to a different level with this staff, Joey. They've put together top ten, top fifteen recruiting classes pretty consistently. I think they can probably put together top ten classes more consistently now.
2: Mm-hmm. Could they
0: get a couple classes in the top five? You know, mm-hmm. can they be can they beat the top class in the ACC? You know, can they beat out can they beat out Clemson? You know, can they at least get to two and beat out Carolina? Carolina's been doing really well on the recruiting trail the last couple of years, but there's no reason Carolina should be out recruiting Miami. No sh- I mean, they shouldn't be doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And Miami in the last couple of years has taken a backseat to Carolina. That can't happen, right? So even though Miami's done a decent job on the trail, they can do an even better job. And this tire, Joey, it's not. And, and the staff, we talked about Miami, and we've always talked about there's a shortage of talent at Miami. There's no reason why Miami shouldn't be competing in the coastal every year. Yep. And, and winning the coastal most year, the talent that they have. It's to, because very frequently they have the most talent in the coastal. Mm-hmm. That's never been the issue it's right. been culture it's been culture 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 they haven't been able to establish it mm-hmm. right they haven't been able to get back to a the culture they had when they were winning all those championships in the early 2000s they don't have that culture anymore right and college football has changed a lot right and there're more you know there's more money in it than there ever has been and there's NIL and there's a million different variables you didn't have to consider you know 20 plus years ago when they were competing for national championships mm-hmm. but there's no reason why Miami can't be a team that's coming out of the Coastal each and every year. I think they now have a staff put together with Cristobal as the best coach in the Coastal, in my opinion. A staff that he's put together that's the best of the conference, in my opinion, when you consider what Clemson has lost, right? All the guys they've lost off their staff. You lose Elliott, you lose Venables, you lose a Dabo's promoting from within. We'll see how that goes. A lot of questions at Clemson from a coaching staff standpoint. Not as many questions at Miami now weird to say because we're used to questioning miami up and down but Mm -hmm. this hurricane staff is the best it's it's the best staff in the acc it's better than florida states it's it's better than virginia techs it's better than georgia techs louisville's um you name it it's better than clemson's like this is a very impressive staff that Cristobal has put together i don't think it's a hot take i don't listen that doesn't that doesn't mean that miami's going to win the ACC next fall, I, you know, let's walk before we run. But what I'm saying is that this is a really impressive staff he's put together. I think it's going to recruit very well. I think it's going to change the culture. I think it's going to be a team that now consistently wins the Coastal and consistently, you know, gets back to competing at a level where they can play for four quarters of Clemson, mm-hmm. which they, they can consistently beat Florida State. Peyton Norbell's doing this rebuild and, He's making improvements, but Miami Florida State's going to matter again. I think at some point in the next couple of years, yeah, like that rivalry is going to matter because I think norbell has got Florida State on the right track. So that rivalry is going to matter again. Miami's going to be competing in the Coastal with Cristobal and the staff he's put together. At least for now, I think they're the best staff in the ACC.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there is something to be said from a head coaching standpoint, depending on your criteria of Mac Brown. Uh, I mean. <laughs> that's the only other guy in yeah. the ACC that has a national title under his belt. But right. if you right. want to talk about what he's done as a head coach in the last eight years, well, four or five of them, he spent in the commentating booth, you know, and right, right. Uh, his time at North Carolina has seemed pretty promising a couple of times, but right. they've yet to really properly get over the top. So agree. And I don't think
0: anybody at this stage of Mac Brown's career, I don't think anybody has taken Mac Brown or Ball.
1: No, probably not. Um, I mean they have they have really taken their recruiting to an impressive level and I mean they he's have. clearly just a very likable good recruiter Mike I mean this it makes sense why North Carolina would go from struggling to get a top 30 class to consistently Where they getting are like, now. top 10 classes it's just it's a Matt right. brown effect right Absolutely um, But anyways um, no I, I I kind of agree with you uh, Yeah Miami is is set up to do really well and I, and I think I think Cristobal, I mean, the last time he was in South Florida, you know, 10 years ago as the head coach at, what was it, FIU, I believe? FIU. I mean, A, he's 10 years younger. I think that was pre-time with Saban. Um, It's FIU, which historically has done a pretty poor job of investing in their program and, Mm -hmm. you know, giving coaches resources to work with. So I think there's really only so much that can be taken from there. But, I mean, if you saw what he did at Oregon – I mean, if he can do most of that at Miami with that coaching staff, I mean they'll they'll be one of the best, one of the best, if not the best team in the Coastal Division, pretty much year in year out. You're correct. Um, yeah, and I think they have the people to do it. You know, one of the one of the things that has come out in the last couple of weeks, news wise, is he hired his linebackers coach. That was Charlie Strong, former Louisville and Texas and South Florida head coach, um, who is known for as much of anything a runs really good defenses and he's not just a position coach so there's that but b he recruits the state of florida and the southern part of florida especially really really well yep uh, do you wonder how teddy bridgewater and Devonte parker and some guys like that left the state of florida to go up to play for louisville that would be charlie strong charlie um, strong and yep. charlie strong's boys you know so it is a little bit of a juggernaut staff that uh, Cristobal is putting together at Miami um, relative to what's going on around them. I mean, for sure. That is that is a stacked staff, which is just – it's crazy to say when a month ago, again, like they basically didn't have a staff. They just had Cristobal, um, and yet here we are.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, like people have been – and rightfully so, right? I'm not saying the jokes are without merit, but people have always cracked jokes about, "Oh, God, great, the media is going to pick my name again." It's you back, it you know. But they haven't had a staff like this, you know. Mm-hmm. They had Mark Rick, who you know, Rick's a, Rick's a good coach, and they had Mark Rick, and that worked out really well for a year. And then worked out not so good for the other two. It was just okay, right? And Miami didn't get back to where they they wanted to go. And Rick, you know, clearly had flaws. And mm-hmm. I just look at Cristobal and what he was able to do at Oregon. He's got experience. He's he's a Miami alum. He's got experience in the state of Florida. And and I mentioned I've mentioned this. I you know we talked about on the um, on the podcast we dropped right when he was hired. If this doesn't work. I don't know what Miami does. This checks all the boxes on paper. Mm -hmm. I I just don't. If they can't get this right. I don't know what they do. Chris Paul's a great hire. Chris Paul's a great football coach. If if he doesn't work at Miami. I don't have a clue what they do from here.
1: No idea. Two things here, Mike. Uh, Number one. Louisville fans are very likely very pissed at me right now because Devontae Parker is not from South Florida. He is from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, He is a hometown boy. I messed that up. Uh, He played professional football in Miami. uh, Yes, for the Dolphins. Yes, for the Dolphins, but collegiately at, you know, and high schooly, whatever, at, you know, in Louisville. So, uh, but Point is Teddy Bridgewater and several others from those teams under Strong were from South Florida and and just Florida at large. So um, there's there is that. Second thing, Mike. Um, slight bit of a this is this is like a lukewarm take at best. I will say mm-hmm. to kind of j- piggyback on yours. Uh, I believe that uh, Mario Cristobal and his staff are going to hit a glass ceiling at Miami. Uh, I, I suspect that they, he will elevate that program, but I, I do not think you're going to see much of anything better than like a 10 and two regular season from them basically ever. And the reason I say that is go back and look at his tenure at Oregon and Mm -hmm. realize that for the majority of that time, he had a talent advantage over almost everybody that they played, certainly over basically the rest of the conference, and yet they lost one to two games a, weird a year one. that were kind of head-scratcher weird losses. Uh-huh. Yep. So is Cristobal better than Manny Diaz, than Mark Richt, than Al Golden, than, you know, take your pick of recent Randy Miami which Randy Shannon. Coaches. Randy Shannon, yes. Is Mario Cristobal the silver bullet that is going to win you a national title at Ma- Miami? No, no, he is not in my mind. Um, So that's, that's my thought is that he he will elevate the program, but he will hit a glass ceiling. That's my lukewarm crystal ball. Take at Miami.
0: He does have a tendency to lose a random one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, Miami fans are even, even in the, even in the 10 win season uh, with Mark Richt, you know, they they lost a random one. Twenty nineteen got-
1: is is the perfect example too. Like that was the year that they lost the opener in in Dallas to true freshman first game out of high school Bo Nix in Auburn. Uh, yep. In a, in a weird one, and then later that year they were ranked uh, what like. You know, mid-top ten, and they go in yep. and lose to freshman Jaden Daniels in Arizona State. Yep, won the Rose Bowl, finished twelve and two. That's great, but weren't in position to make the playoff or win the national title. So
0: that was and that was first year head coach Herm Edwards, was it not?
1: I believe it was. Or did Herm
0: Edwards come in? Yeah, or did Herm Edwards come in when Daniels was a sophomore? I can't remember. But uh, that's a weird second, one to lose.
1: Second second season, actually, he started in twenty eighteen, yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. So, but weird
1: yeah that's my that's my take lukewarm i'll say
0: yeah that's lukewarm i think i (laughs) think i mostly agree with that
1: yeah all right fair enough mike anything else on miami while we are uh mildly roasting them i guess we're not uh, really roast ah. at all i don't know oh i don't think we roast them (laughs) while we're riffing on our uh, miami takes
0: yeah we said that crystal ball go 10 and 2 a lot okay it's better than going seven and five a lot what they've been doing
1: way better way better yeah Mike I have one more hot take that I'm going to drop here but before we do that uh, it's hot
0: got... it's it's a hot take too. it this one's hot
1: fairly spicy fairly spicy yeah. I think maybe you know it's arguably spicier than the first one anyways it's um, on
0: the uh, yeah it's on the page sporanic scale of hot
1: <laughs> I don't know who that is Mike so you know you'll have to in- oh. enlighten me later Okay, well, (laughs) you do the ad read. I'll enlighten you. Mike, we got to remind the people about section103.com. It is the internet's best place to go and buy Georgia Tech athletic apparel and and just general uh, Georgia Tech wear. Um, I I posted a tweet. We were recording this the evening of uh, February the 27th. Um, I posted a tweet earlier today that I had gone to the Houston Rodeo yesterday, and it was like 40 degrees and rainy outside. It's just absolutely gross. And if that sounds like you should be miserable, Mike, you should. That is correct. But I wore my Section 103 hoodie, uh, and it kept me very warm, kept me very dry. It was awesome. Um, and so I you know, cannot thank them enough. They were really great. I don't know if you knew this either, Mike. It is now baseball and softball season. Uh, and Section 103 has yeah. a couple of shirts out with the uh, script jackets on it that the uh, baseball and softball team both wear.
0: Yeah, let's make it clear it is college baseball season, but the MLB owners don't want to ever play baseball again.
1: Very specifically college baseball season and yeah. softball season, yes. Um Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely great stuff. Cannot thank them enough for their partnership here. Uh, use promo code GOACC for ten percent off your first order over at section103.com. Uh they have t-shirts, they have sweatshirts, hoodies. Uh, they've got things with all the proper Georgia Tech word marks on them. They've got shirts and such with the official Tech gold. Uh, that's their color. They've got the ATL logo. The performance wear is incredibly soft and comfortable. The proper T-shirts are actually really super soft. I mean, I just high, high quality stuff. Cannot recommend it enough. Really appreciate those who have gone and supported Stephen and the gang over there. We we appreciate it. He appreciates it. Um, and we uh, we appreciate him for his partnership.
0: Yep he's a man Absolutely. and he made it very clear that that picture you took the rodeo he's like I did not pay for this <laughs>
1: like fair enough no no he didn't pay for it i just honestly like really like their stuff so yep go check them out. out there promo code GOACC, 10% off your first order section103.com uh mike you have texted me information on page sporanic. Uh, I, I know i know of this instagram account i'm playing dumb acting like i don't um, so just <laughs> Uh, you know, anyways, go check it out for yourself. If you want to
0: most probably already have
1: Mike, I think we've seen the last national title at Clemson under Dabo. That's unbelievable. Is it? Maybe not. Here's my thought. Um, okay. so Clemson, uh, you know, obviously has won what two or three, two, I think just They've one, won. One, for They've Deshaun, won two. one for
0: Trevor. They've won two. They've been to three. They went to two with Deshaun.
1: Okay. Um, and, and, I mean, by all means, over the last – basically over the entire playoff era, they've made the playoff every year except for the first year and this most recent year. Like, they had like a six-year streak of making the playoff every single year and, you know, being there in the dance at the end. So why would I say this? You know, so you you referenced earlier in the podcast uh, Brent Venables, defensive coordinator, leaving to go to Oklahoma. Um, we talked about Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator, leaving – to go to Virginia. Um, A few staffers leaving with Venables to go to Oklahoma with him. So Mike, who steps up into these roles for Dabo Swinney and Clemson? It's a bunch of internal hires. Yeah. A bunch of internal hires are promoting from within. Um, Mike, we've talked about that before, specifically in the context of Virginia tech and, and Justin Fuente and some of the hires that he made. I don't like that. I, I think some internal hires are, or internal promotions are good. I think if it's entirely that, you're missing something. Like you, you are overlooking good candidates.
0: I I agree with the I agree with the overall premise. I will say, I'd rather be making internal hires on a staff that has been consistently winning for like a decade mm-hmm. versus making internal hires if you're a Justin Fuente or. I don't know if Jeff Collins has done this, but like Jeff Collins, yeah, you know, struggling, trying to find their way. Yeah, just Fuente. Just Fuente.
1: Just Fuente. Uh, yeah, str- yeah uh, even Jeff Collins doesn't do this.
0: That's that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's that's good. Uh Justin Fuente's uh Twitter was hacked recently, so now he has no profile picture and just a cover photo of him with his kids. So. Lovely. I'm not even sure he's aware of that, so somebody <laughs> let him know. But uh
1: well, he's anyway, listening to the show right now, so he'll figure that out.
0: I mean, if, if we if we got to add somebody to the fold, maybe it's Justin point. I <laughs> don't know if he'll want to go back and listen to any of our previous podcasts if he wants to join the show. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, internal hires thing, though, like if you're going to make internal hires, I think you may, you make them off a of staff that's consistently won. Now, with that being said, we don't know anything about these guys, mm-hmm. right? We we don't know how good they're going to be, but devil's advocate. Dabo brought in Brent Venables, who was fired from Oklahoma, Fi- literally fired as a defensive coordinator from Oklahoma. He brings in Brent Venables and resurrects his career. Right. Well, so
1: the the weirdest part of that story is he brings him in to replace Kevin Steele, who he fired, who are now lauding as like one of the better defensive coordinators in the country, who just got hired on just, at Miami. Like,
0: yeah, just talked about him in the context of Miami staff. What a good hire it is. Yeah. So
1: weird time. There's both
0: sides. A weird timeline, and there and there's, I guess what I'm saying is there's there's two sides to the coin here, right? Like Dabo's made external hires before that made you scratch your head, and they end up working out fine, right? Or he's, you know, you fire Kevin Steele, and you're like, what the hell are you doing? And then Venables comes in, and he's a million times better than you could have ever imagined Kevin Steele was going to be a Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? The, the question, the jury's out right? The jury is out on what this staff is going to do with Clemson. The reason why I personally don't want to write them off just yet is because I think Jeff Scott is going to lose his job at South Florida pretty soon. I think when he does that, there's a prime landing spot for him on back on the club staff. That was Oh,
1: now that's,
0: now that's a weird, I know it's kind of a weird prediction. It's like, how do you know he's going to land there? I mean, The reason why jeff scott was getting head coaching jobs in the first place is because he was on davos 20 staff wouldn't it be a fine spot for him to go resurrect his career like we we joke about the nick saban the nick saban school for like troubled boys so to speak where like you get fired and then you just go and hang out with nick saban for a couple years on his staff and kind of like quote unquote learn the trade and repair your image and then you end up with a really cushy job somewhere else (laughs) like take bill o'brien for example Mm-hmm. They were talking about him joining the Patriots staff as an offensive coordinator, potentially, which I don't think is going to happen now. But that was thrown out there. There's, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, Wayne Kiffin, like go down the list, right? Go down the list of guys who have joined Nick Saban. Why? Why wouldn't Jeff Scott go back to if, if he were to lose his job at South Florida? May, maybe they end up being better than I think they will be in his third year,
1: Mike. But this is this is like Clemson on levels of. uh, uh of conspiracy theory this is awesome i love this
0: well i mean think think about it though like wouldn't it make sense for Jeff Scott to go back to clemson if he gets fired from south florida why wouldn't he
1: it would it would and by the way the, the term clemson on is now a trademark of basketball conference podcast
0: yeah i mean that's how we make our, that's how we made our money for anybody wants to know why joe you know if Joey and i ever quit our jobs it's because we got a trademark on that made t-shirts or something and they went viral we,
1: we will sell the nft to it though if anybody wants to buy Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a, that's an inside joke for another time for the rest of you, but uh, yeah, I just, I'm not personally ready to write off Clemson yet. There are certainly quite, there are a lot of questions, a lot Mm -hmm. of questions. We don't know anything about staff. That's
1: so, and and this is, this is the thing I was thinking about too, though, is like what, when we say writing off Clemson, like, what does that mean? What, oh, what, oh, I, what I yes. said in my take is I don't believe that they're going to win another national title under Dabo, which in most ways is just like the most lukewarm of takes. Like, I don't think Nebraska is going to win a national title under Scott Frost. Like, that's not a hot take. That's that's a fact, right. you know. Like, right. <laughs> um, right. You know, for most teams, like, you know, it, there's very few teams that we could expect to even get close to this, you know. So, right but what i'm saying is i i think clemson's going to continue to be really good. they're going to continue to recruit their tails off, you know, be like a top 8 roster quality team in the country. that'll all be great. it's just brent venables was so special there for so long. like if you think you're just going to replace him and what he was able to do with that defense and not only recruiting them, but coaching and scheming and the play calling and the adjustments and all that stuff. If you think you can fix all that by hiring somebody from an internal role, I would ask you, why was that person still an internal role? Why did right. somebody else hire them to be their defensive coordinator? Right. right? Like, right. if anybody is that good offensively we have watched since Jeff Scott left again we have watched the offense slowly kind of go from super well-oiled machine that put up 44 points on Bama in the national title game a few years ago uh, to less effective you know <laughs> right <laughs> a, 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 a team that much less effective does less with more you know in a lot of ways um, and and so again I mean I still went like Ten and two this year, or whatever it was, like that's that's fine. But they did, but that's not going to get you over the top. And, right. and I think maybe the hotter take is that you know I could kind of pick a number here, but it's like if Dabo is here for the rest of the decade, I would suspect that they end the decade with no more than like seven ACC titles, which sounds like you know wow, damn! If you can win seven it's out per- of ten, like it's pretty good, but preposterous that would
0: that would mean that he has won like 16 or 17 conference but, titles
1: but that's the yeah. point is they just came off a run of six in a row we saw them you know th- th- this is the first time in the history of this podcast this year that somebody else won it but what I'm saying is that they are going to be more vulnerable to the point that they are not going to win the, the ACC title year in year out like it's just clockwork I think it's going to come back down to earth just enough to where they are less invincible, less on a pedestal. I, I don't think that it's, and it's, it's a, it's the coaching staff, but it's, it's also Mike, this continued refusal to really like willingly participate within the transfer portal. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think he's going to have to change his stance on that. If
1: you I thought, agree, Cause he I, thought he I, was going to be a ceiling.
0: Right. I mean, there's going to be a ceiling if, if he doesn't, I guess what I'm, curious is do you think they're going to, to take a step back from elite just being good or really good I guess
1: that's
0: I guess it's kind of what you're saying right
1: kind of what I'm saying is like unless you know in, instead of win totals every year of 11 and a half I think you're gonna have win totals of 10 or something like that Right? you know like a lot more 10 and 2 seasons than 12 and 0 seasons something like do that. you
0: think do you think you'd be having the same take if Clemson won the ACC
1: this year um if it was just like and I'd have to remember exactly the way that the season unfolded, but if it was like they just sort of backed their way into the, the conference championship game. Okay,
0: and, all right. So how'd they do it?
1: Okay. Yeah, like if, if they right. continued looking dominant, I would not be making these takes. Yeah,
0: okay, fair enough. So uh, it's more of a recency. It's a, I don't want to call it recency bias because it, it happened.
1: They were not as good this
0: year, so it's not a bias. It's mm-hmm. how it went down. Lack of a better term. recency bias, plus losing the assistants.
1: Yep. It's those. And then the other thing I'm considering too is the thing that we've talked about on this show before is they won those two national titles with quarterbacks named Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And if, again, if I ask you to start listing off who are the best quarterbacks in college football over the last decade, I'm not sure you would have that, you know, the fingers up on both hands before you had said both Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, I
0: mean, they're they're in the top five. They're yeah. in the top three. They're probably in the top three or four. Like,
1: yeah, there's there's been some good ones. I mean, certainly both top ten, probably even you know fewer than that are, are better than one or both of them. Um, yep. And the point is, like, again, we talked about this with DJU, like. You can be good or really good without being generation generationally great, and you'll see that in the performance. And so what's the likelihood that they're going to get another guy at, at Trevor or Deshaun's level? Is Cade Klubnick that guy? I mean, we were asking the same thing two years ago with DJU, and he's kind of seems like he's not, you know?
0: Right, right. I mean, and he looked like he was going to be that guy mm-hmm. when we had the COVID season. And he went into South Bend and threw for 500 yards or whatever it was.
1: Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, I was, I was sold, man.
0: Like, I'm like, Clemson will be fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about Clemson. Now Notre Dame won that game. We we're all talking about, oh, okay, let's start taking Notre Dame now. that you know, again, Trevor Lawrence didn't play, but we were all saying, let's not discount this Notre Dame win too much because DJU is really freaking good. And then this year he wasn't so. Mm-hmm. Where did they go from
1: here? Exactly. So that. So yeah. So that's what I'm saying is it, it's not that like Clemson's all of a sudden going to be a six and six, seven and five kind of team. I'm not saying right. that. Right. What I am saying is that I think between the ability that they have to put together a roster while not taking transfers to fill holes mm-hmm. and fill gaps, mm-hmm. plus the way that the assistants have kind of gotten broken up and the way that they went about replacing them tells me that they are coming back down to earth. Oh, just a little bit. They, they're they probably, you know, probably the best program still in the ACC, but not nearly as invincible as they have been over the last several years. And I don't think they're going to be able to get over the top, you know, not as consistently making the playoff. I don't think we're going to see them win another national title. I'm calling it right now, Mike. That's my hot take. Okay. Okay. <laughs> your tone there's tells too me you many disagree.
0: I don't I there's too many out it's hard to definitively make that statement when I don't know how good these assistants are
1: I also look forward to the news on like Thursday that Clemson is taking four transfers or something ridiculous like that That I
0: mean that that would be <laughs> I, I think that's that's a hotter take than the one you just laid out that Clemson's <laughs> gonna take four transfers
1: I mean but it would be so easy just to basically flip that switch uh yeah, you know what? We will take transfers now. And
0: uh, look, I listen. If they don't start taking transfers, they're going to have they're going to have issues. Like they'll have if they don't start taking transfers, they're going to have issues to the point where Davos Swinney is going to be on his way out at Clemson. Mm-hmm. I will say that. That's and if you think that's bold, I mean, we are in an, we are in an era now of college football free agency. And until further notice, there are two types of recruiting. There's recruiting high school prospects that Clemson's very, very good at. Then there's recruiting the transfer portal, which you better get good at. Because players just leave the portal. They go into the portal now, and they're gone. you got to recruit those guys on your roster. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you got to keep recruiting them and show them why Clemson is the best place for them to be. Because if Davo doesn't start doing that, then he's going to have a lot of that talent that he's recruited that isn't playing very often. They're going to leave. And then Clemson's got a depth issue, Joey, Mm -hmm. because you can only keep up so often with recruiting when guys keep flocking out the door. It's Mm -hmm. the issue Justin Fuente had at Virginia Tech, and he wasn't recruiting nearly at the level that Davo is or has. So
1: you've got to
0: recruit both sides.
1: There's recruiting out of high school. And there's randomly messaging dudes on Instagram to see if they can enter the transfer portal or not. There, there's two types yes. of recruiting. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you better get good at both. Some call it tampering. I call it recruiting. I don't know. Who's that's, to
0: say? <laughs> tampering is just. It's only tampering if you get caught.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. That's the spirit. Um. Yeah. And that's just, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it is. I, I think I, I kind of want you to keep going a little bit with the uh, the take that if they don't start taking transfers, that Dabo is going to be on his way out of Clemson. Like, you think oh, they're going to I think, no,
0: I think they're going to have depth issues. I don't think they're going to win as much.
1: So, what, is, think what Dabo, does on his way out of Clemson mean?
0: On his way out means that he's going to be a victim of his own success. Right. I'm talking like, I'm talking like the Frank Beamer effect. Mm. That's what I'm talking about, where mm-hmm. it's like, man. You've been so good for so long. Why aren't you as good anymore? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know why. Because your talent keeps leaving in the transfer portal and you refuse to bring guys in.
1: You can't replenish Dabos, it.
0: You, he, he's not going to be able to replenish it at the rate that he's going to need to, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it is not going to be Dabo's fault from a transfer portal standpoint with guys leaving. Guys are just going to leave. You're seeing it at really good programs right now. Mm-hmm. Guys tend to leave. Guys leave Georgia. Guys mm-hmm. are leaving Georgia after the national championship going to play for Bama. Yeah, Why? Why are you doing that? You just started in the national championship game for the team that won. Now you're transferring to Bama? Kids are going to transfer.
1: You got that Instagram DM.
0: Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, Saban, Saban reached out to a uh, high school coach. And the high school coach is like, hey, heard from Coach Saban. You can never prove that paper trail, right? Yeah. <laughs> you never, never prove that paper trail. Um, but no, that's what I'm saying. Like, kids are going to transfer regardless. You can do everything right, right? You can win national title. You can have a player starting in the national title game, right, mm-hmm. and have a good game, and then transferring to the team you just beat mm-hmm. in conference. Yeah, That's the era we're in, is my point. Kids are going to transfer. Dabo can run a great program. He can keep winning, like, 10, 11 games. Kids are going to transfer. He needs to figure out the portal. Mm-hmm. He needs to figure out the portal. Exactly. it'll be easy for him it'll be easy for him Joey once once he decides he wants to do it because he's been recruiting well his entire career mm-hmm. he can recruit there's no question about it. he can recruit and he knows he knows how to at least delegate people talk about X's and O's is he a good coach look you don't win multiple national championships without having an inkling right he knows what he's doing. there's too much of this like oh it's all that it's all vanables it's all Elliot and Scott. The best head coaches in college football have really good assistants mm-hmm. on their staff, right? Like Jim Harbaugh doesn't get to doesn't get to college football playoff this past year. With Josh Gaddis, right? No question right. about it. So I can only assign so much like blame or take credit from a head coach. So much he's hiring these guys, mm-hmm. right? He's hiring these guys. You got to give him credit. He, he got these guys on staff. This isn't this isn't basketball. This isn't you're not a manager in baseball, right? we like, you're the one making all those decisions, right? Yeah. You got football is so different in the amount of coaches on staff than any other sport. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it so unique. Mm-hmm. So point being when Dabo decides that he's going to make the transfer portal an integral part of what they do, they're going to continue to perform well. In my opinion, if he decides I'm not doing the transfer portal, He's going to be left in the dust. Mm-hmm. He's
1: going to be left in the dust. Everybody's recruiting the portal now. Slowly but surely. That's kind of what's slowly starting to happen.
0: So that's the way the sport's trending. Mm-hmm. And you either adapt or you get left behind. It's the same reason why Nick Saban, this is a different conversation, but it's the same reason why Nick Saban changed the way that his offenses played. Mm-hmm. Changed the type of coordinators he was hiring. Nick Saban, much like Kirby smart would love for it to be like a 14 to 10 game. He just the shit out of somebody for like three and a half hours. That's how he wants to win games. But he saw the way college football was trending. Oh, these offenses are going to spread you out, you know, for Mm -hmm. four quarters, you know, it's going to be air raid and you're going to have to, you know, defend the perimeter more than you ever had before. That's not the way Alabama's offenses used to be run. Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, like early 2010s, Eddie Lacey, that's not how these Alabama offenses used to operate. Nope. They, they never operated that way. Mm-hmm. But now they're, you know, then they get, you know, you start to see it with McCarron and then Tua and, you know, Jalen Hurts. Like, you see these guys come in and, and you know, you're seeing it now with Bryce Young. Like, they're throwing it all over the field. And Nick Saban said, I had to adapt the way I ran the offense or I was going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Because he's a great coach for that reason. Dabo, we've talked about in the Nick Saban conversation, right? After he won the second national championship, we said this guy is the only guy that we've seen. Now we can add Kirby Smart to the conversation, but Dabo's the only guy that we've seen that can crack the Nick Saban code, Mm -hmm. right? In the biggest game, the biggest moment, can crack the Nick Saban code in the national championship. You can add Kirby to the list, now we got it done. Mm -hmm. But Dabo was in that conversation when we won the second one. We're like, this guy can beat Saban consistently, or enough consistently enough to be in that conversation as one of the best college coaches in the history of the sport. That's the kind of conversations we were having a few years ago. Yep. Does Davo want to continue to be in that conversation or not? That's, Mm -hmm. that's going to be up to him. He's going to have to adapt the way that Saban has adapted over the course of his career in a different way with the portal rather than on field schematically.
1: And I think it's that, that struggle to adapt that insistence on continuing to run the program and operate the way that you have and the way that brought you success, like, mm-hmm. you know, to be fair, the like that insistence, I think ultimately top to bottom, the way you hire, the way you recruit, the way that you right. do everything, that to me is what is going to bring Clemson back down to earth. So yep. the moment that, Cle- that Dabo decides, you know what, maybe the transfer portal is not so bad and maybe – we can help fix our roster and, and improve our team by bringing in guys on the transfer portal. Yep. A lot of that changes. Yeah. The moment that he looks out and says, you know, maybe uh, maybe these guys that we hired internally and have been part of our program for so long, maybe that's not the very best that we could do in terms of play callers or position coaches. Maybe we should bring in somebody from the outside again, like we did with Brent Venables.
0: And, and Dabo is so insistent. On culture, which is good. Mm -hmm. That's what you want, but it's to a fault now. It's important. It's important. It's very important. Um, You see a lot of programs lose their way when they go away from their culture and kind of what's made them successful in the past. You see programs lose their way. Virginia Tech's a great example of that. Mm -hmm. They lost their way with Fuente. They're hiring Pry, a former Virginia Tech guy, to come in and reinstill that culture. Dabo built the Clemson football culture. He has built that program from the ground up. He comes in for Terry Bowden as an interim. He gets the head coaching job. He's built that championship culture there. And he is so insistent on maintaining culture because he's done it one way his entire career. Mm -hmm. That's made him successful to his credit. But the best coaches in the sport, they adapt. Nick Saban adapted right I keep going back to that he adapted mm-hmm. and you know culture is important to Nick Saban too right oh yeah he always talks about leadership and culture and he does all these offseason like leadership thing you know goes and speaks and motivational speaker all that stuff like culture is so important right and you don't want Dabble to lose his way because he's done it one way his entire career and that's been successful
1: right exactly Mike that's all I got on Clemson Anything else?
0: I think we're good. We said it would be like a 40-minute podcast. I think we went an hour.
1: Yeah. Hour and five as I watch it right now. Um, so, there you go. <laughs> as, uh, as could be expected. We went way longer than expected. Um, Mike, uh, anything else before we work on getting out of here? Do you have any other hot takes you want to just like news dump on the way out? No. No. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I had mentioned, by the way, that I, I think – Tony Elliott gets fired within four years. I also think Jeff Collins is going to get fired within four years from now. That's <laughs> make sure to sneak that in <laughs> a less than hot take. We'll say, um, but you know, time will tell. I could be wrong on that too. I don't know.
2: Oh man.
1: <laughs> well, that, that'd be great. That'd be
0: great news for you. If he wasn't fired, it would, it would, I mean, within four years, that means he's turned it around. Cause by four years from now, the buyout's under control, you can pay the buyout in four years.
1: Look, I realize that, that that's like a ninety-five percent chance that he turns it around, but there's that five yes. percent that they just there's just some sort of administrative incompetence from Georgia Tech that like, I am horrendously terrified to. Or, or I was going.
0: that's uh, fair. I was going more with the ninety-five percent angle. Yeah, <laughs> but that's fine. The five percent angle would be much. I mean, well, it wouldn't be funnier for you. It'd be much funnier for somebody who doesn't really give a shit like me. That, exactly. That'd be much funnier. Yeah. That that's like okay. Well, outside observers. Much funnier.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. That's all I got. Anything. uh, You want to work on getting out of here? Yes. Let's do that. Uh, Mike, the people can come find us on Twitter. And by the way, next episode, once again, confirming this, uh, will be a tell us about your team episode. We've got to get that series started and going. And I'm really, really hoping that we are going to do that and learn about the Virginia Cavaliers and kind of what makes that a tough job and why my take on Tony Elliott is wrong. So let's start there. That seems like the right place to start. So uh, we have someone lined up. We just got to make the schedule work out and hope that uh, they don't back out on us and, uh, you know, hate me now that I have talked some mess about their program.
0: Now they'll probably be more interested in uh, jumping on now.
1: There you I go. I think. Tell me why I'm wrong. Please do. Come on. Yeah. Mike, we're on Twitter. I'm at FJS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything you want to learn about Virginia. Hey, send it to the longest email address, no demand, Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, all the places you normally go to find podcasts. Uh, where else can they find us in social medias, Mike?
0: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts here, Joe.
1: Please do. Please do. We appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. Anything else?
0: Uh, no, we'll, we'll try to make it less than two weeks before we record again. That's uh, I'm on the mend. So. I was
1: going to say, you, you got to try really hard to not get bronchitis and strep and the flu and everything else all at the same time again. So yes. You were General,
0: Generally, just felt like death. <laughs>
1: Work on that. I, I wish you the uh, the best of health. So, uh, you know, keep people updated on how you're feeling.
0: Yeah, we'll do. There I can go. do that.
1: All right, Mike. Uh, that's all I got. You want to come back and uh, talk some more ACC football here in the uh, coming days and weeks? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out then.
0: Uh, ask me about your team or whatever. There you go. We'll talk Call about it. that. How about that? Yeah.
1: There you go. Learn about your arch nemesis, Virginia Cavaliers. Hell Yeah. Because, as we say, Mike, the soundboard is not up. So I can't say Virginia's uh, okay.
0: awesome. yeah. <laughs> Virginia is awesome. There you go. That's what I say. There yeah. you
1: go. All right. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Until next time, go ACC.